Good evening, everybody. My name is Jordan, and this is episode 61 of Sodom and I. Let me uh, give you guys a recap of my week. Uh, I'm not going to lie. This has not been the best uh, week emotionally for me. On Monday, it was I had a double a double passing anniversary. One, my granny and another one, um, one of my mom's boyfriends from a few years back. And then on the same day, I found out someone that I used to march with a long time ago, really great person. Um, he also passed away. So that happened Monday. And then, uh, I'm single now. (laughs) So this, this, this has been, this has been a very, emotionally trying week and I can't even really be upset you know I'm very very understanding very compassionate and um he's a great person so there I can't I can't even be upset we're still friends so I'm just leaning on the Lord and everything and and trusting him with my life because that's all I can do but um going through all these experiences and just asking God where to go next, quite honestly. He brought me back to Revelations and we went back to the Church of Ephesus and I've been thinking about it all week. Get back to your first love, get back to your first love. And uh, I need to get back to my first love and being more committed in everything. So that's definitely what I'll be doing. I don't want to be distracted. I don't want to be lukewarm either. But that that was the church of uh, Laodicea. That was the lukewarm, hot or cold. I don't want to be hot or cold. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be hot. And, um, you know, I was just talking to the Lord about what I should speak on this week. And he brought me to a page. It's called or the website I'm on is deepspirituality.com. And the article I'm going to be going over is Nine Powerful Stories of Emotional Strength in the Bible. I felt like I could use this and pastor was prophesying and was talking about the middle of March is always, always the most stressful. You know, and it sets the tone for the year and things like that. So... It's time to build consistency, and God wants to remind us of that. And a part of being consistent is having emotional strength. And I don't know about you guys, but I go to God when I feel weak. And I will say I'm feeling pretty, pretty weak after the week that I've had. But with God, we can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, a little heartbreak. uh, uh, I ain't going to say the rest of that, but a little heartbreak is manageable. You can manage with it. We're still friends. So I still love him. But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. So let's get into this. Emotional strength. Look, Brooklyn tried to get my attention. Emotional strength is about bouncing back. 
Some of the most powerful stories of emotional strength in the Bible involve people who were actually very weak. They failed, had character flaws, and were familiar with setbacks. They gave in to their emotions at times. They felt afraid. But as they came to the end of themselves, they discovered God, a God whose kindness, love, and power helped them stand again and become stronger than they ever could have been on their own. My God, my body and my heart may grow weak. God, you strength, you give strength to my heart. You strengthen my heart, my God. You are everything I will ever need. That was Psalm 73 and 26. I'm highlight that in my Bible. Psalm 73:26. Mm -hmm. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Who, Lord? Oh man. Forever. God gives strength to the heart. As we walk closely with God and decide he is everything we will ever need, he gives us the incredible ability to get back up again emotionally in even the most difficult of circumstances. Mm. And or well, we're not going to read that because we're talking about the Bible. I don't want to quote anyone that's not the Lord right now. We're talking about Jesus. So perhaps the strength of the heart God gives has less to do with walking through life per with perfect composure and more to do with our ability to bounce back from challenges. Do you have the strength to get back up again after real or perceived failures? Do you have the emotional strength to love even after real or perceived rejection? Emotional strength is essential to our faith, our relationships, and to living out our purpose and our destiny. Emotional strength enables us to keep trying, keep believing, keep loving, and keep getting back up again, no matter what life throws at us. Mm. Can you get up again? The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. Proverbs twenty four sixteen. Let me go ahead and uh, highlight that in my Bible too, if it's not already highlighted. Look, and I did kind of do some with that, but that's all right. I grabbed the wrong highlighter. That's okay, because I got my orange one. A just man, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Mm. All right, we're sorry, Lord, I got started reading more. Mm -hmm. One time after I had made a particularly bad mistake at work. A friend happened to show me this verse in the Bible. She explained that not only of, not only, Lola, she explained that one of the true measures of being godly <laughs> is not having a flawless record, 
but the ability to get back up after you fall down. We fall down and we get up. Emotional strength or the ability to get back up again is not something we have to muster up. It's just a byproduct of having a close relationship with God. He helps us believe in what we cannot see. He promises to clear our record of guilt so that we can face challenges or failures in our lives with the resilience to start again. Ooh, in that same article I quoted earlier, Dr. Guy Winch, if you guys want to, you know, look up this stuff, I always do give you the, uh, the websites. Continuing. Gives us seven characteristics we can use to assess our level of emotional strength. I will read this because it's a supporting argument. Emotionally strong people, number one, are less discouraged by setbacks and disappointments. Two, are adaptable to change. Three, are able to recognize and express their needs. Four, focus on getting around a hurdle rather than on the hurdle itself. Five, can learn from mistakes and criticism. Six, tend to see the larger perspective in a challenging situation. Hmm. And seven, are able to recover more quickly from emotional wounds, such as failure or rejection. What's today? Sunday? Thursday? Thursday was hard. Friday was probably the furthest part in the pit that I dug with my emotions. Saturday, I was recovering. <laughs> I was recovering from that pit. And Sunday, I'm, uh, I mean, I was definitely sticking with God the entire time. But it was a lot easy to get caught up in my, my feelings. I feel like I've grown, oh my God, I feel like I've grown so much more emotionally stable and emotionally strong. Because, woo, this, this, this would have been a tough week. I already done had a tough week last year. But this, this is a tough, it's a tough week. But I'm all right. You know, like I'm, I'm actually feeling good again. I'm still friends with my dog, you know, and nothing, nothing was really bad. You know, this might've been the actually the most peaceful, graceful one I've ever had. I've only had three relationships. Number three, I have to say, was the most peaceful and I learned a lot so thank you Lord I'll never regret anything that you brought my way I'll always appreciate it let's continue this 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 is a challenging list for me okay but luckily the Bible is full of stories of people who were flawed and weak yet their faith in God gave them these characteristics of emotional strength they were able to face obstacles and insurmountable odds without giving up. And they made a huge impact on the world. With this in mind, I found nine powerful stories in the Bible in which ordinary people who may have been weak or felt weak found emotional strength by learning to believe in and walk closely with God. 
right? So the first one we're going to be talking about is Sarah. God patiently teaches us to believe. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise, right? When we talked about Sarah conceiving at a, a later age, Sarah was unable to conceive, but miraculously became the mother of Isaac and the Israelite people. Several verses in the New Testament refer to Sarah and encourage us to have the faith and trust in God she had. Right, and that says, see First uh, Peter 3, 4, and 6. So let's go handy dandy Bible app. First Peter. Mm-mm. Yeah, First Peter 3, 4 through 6. Rather, it should be that your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is a way the holy woman of the past, the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands. Like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord, you are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Woo, thank you, Lord. All right, but here's one thing. Here's the thing. If you read through Sarah's story in Genesis 11 through 21, you will see that her life was full of spiritual setbacks and shortcomings. She was far from perfect. Here are a few examples. She took control and led her husband with her plans. She blamed her husband when those plans went wrong. She was angry and harsh at times. It, she, seemed, uh, she seemed to have a hard time with vulnerability. I don't see any examples in the Bible of Sarah vulnerably expressing or praying about the emotions she must have felt like sadness, weakness, disappointment, or jealousy. She scoffed when God promised her something good. She lied when she was afraid. Sarah's story gives me hope. God did not give up on her. Her life was a journey with ups and downs and many teachable moments. And God patiently stuck with her every step of the way. Through her shortcomings, Sarah learned some valuable lessons. She learned not to rely on herself to make God's promises come true. She learned that God could do the impossible and she learned that God could hear and see her when no one else could. Genesis 18, 12. The eternal is compassionate and merciful, my God. When we cross all the lines, he is patient with us. When we struggle against him, mm -hmm, he lovingly stays with us, changing, convicting, prodding. He will not constantly criticize, nor will he hold a grudge forever. He lovingly stays with us. This is Psalm 103, 8 and 9. I'm going to highlight that. Mm -hmm. 103, 8 9. I already have it highlighted. Look at that. Thank you, Lord. 
God will stick with me even when I cross all the lines. He will work for my good, prodding me to change. Understanding this about God makes me feel stronger when I feel I have failed spiritually or turned to sin. I can get back up again because God knows I am not going to be perfect. He already covered me through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. I can just admit my shortcomings, be grateful for forgiveness, and keep learning to believe in God's good plans for my life. Mm-hmm. Next one. Nehemiah. Excuse me. There is a lot of pollen outside. So sorry if I sound a little stuffy. Take a little sip of my drink. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That is so good. One way... I see my need for emotional strength is in my inability to handle setbacks. Even small obstacles can make me feel discouraged, right? And this one says, read Nehemiah 1 through 13. In my, that was just for reference. In my life now, this translates to, to uh, not wanting to take risks because I hate facing obstacles and difficulties, I would much rather take the easier road, the road that requires no emotional strength. The book of Nehemiah is a great one to read if you tend to get easily discouraged by setbacks and disappointments. Nehemiah was a leader in the Bible who inspired the people of Israel to rebuild, to rebuild the burnt down walls around the beloved city of Jerusalem. He was an emotional guy. He wept, felt terrified, and went about his job deeply troubled as he tried to navigate the events of his life. And yet, he found the strength to lead God's people through strong opposition and all kinds of obstacles without quitting. This inspires me to know that those of us who consider ourselves emotional can do great things. I'm one of those. I am one of them. I get, oh my God, I can get very emotional. Yes, I can. But, um, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad the Lord is with me because I'd be much more emotional than I am right now without Jesus. All right. Nehemiah found supernatural strength because his emotions pushed him to pray. Mm-hmm. All right. In this excerpt of the story, you can see how Nehemiah responded to the opposition of his enemies, the fear and exhaustion of his own people, and the enormity of the work ahead of them, all which hit him at the same time. All right, this is Nehemiah chapter 4, 7 through 15. I'm going to read this in NIV. So I'm just go in here. Did I skip it? No. Cool. Nehemiah 4, 7 and 15. All right. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard the repairs to Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead mm -hmm. 
and that the gaps were being closed, they were very angry. They all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. Meanwhile, this is through 17, 7 through 15. Okay, cool. Meanwhile, verse 10, the people in Judah said the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. And when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own. I'm going to go ahead and highlight that. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Nehemiah's story helps me remember I don't have to be scared of setbacks. They're bound to happen if I am trying to do anything of importance. You know, one thing that um, helped me get past the miscarriage was knowing that whenever something bad happens, as long as I do what I need to do, the Lord will take care of me after. Look, we said it before. Restoration cannot happen without desolation. For what, what are you restoring it from without desolation? So God is what helps me get through the hard times, you know. Yeah. Nehemiah also teaches us. Let me go back up. As I stay close to God, LOL, he will give me the strength and wisdom I need to manage setbacks and obstacles that come up in my life without quitting. That is a better way to say what I just said before reading that. (laughs) Nehemiah also teaches us something else very important about emotional strength in this passage. When the people became tired and afraid, they told he told them to fight for to fight for their brothers, sons, daughters, wives, and homes. He helped them think rationally about fighting for each other and not just about protecting themselves or fighting for themselves. Mm-hmm. When I get discouraged by difficulties, I need to recognize and fight the temptation to be self-piteous or self-protective. I need to shift my focus from what I am fighting for and think about who I am fighting for. Love is a powerful motivator and it will help me get back up again, even when circumstances are hard. 1 Corinthians 13 and 7. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. 
First Corinthians 13 and 7. Gideon. This is the third story, I believe. Gideon, uh-huh. God responds when we express our needs to him. This is very important. If there's anything, if there's anyone you can confide in and tell all of your 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 secrets and feelings and, and nitty-gritty details and everything, it is the Lord. Because he already knows, baby. Because <laughs> he already knows. Gideon is a guy in the Bible who is very fearful but found great emotional strength because he was willing to recognize and express his needs. Take a look at this excerpt from Gideon's story. <clears throat> then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan Abizer. Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. Excuse me. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I, I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you are truly going to help me, Show me a sign to prove that it is really the Lord speaking to me. That's Judges 6, 11 through 12 and 14 through 17. Mm. God called Gideon to rescue the people of Israel from the Midianites who were oppressing them. Mm -hmm. What I love about Gideon's story is that not only did he feel weak and like the least, but he also expressed those feelings honestly to God. Then, many times in the story, he asked God for signs to help him with his fear. Every time, God was patient. Yeah, God was patient with him and gave him the sign he needed. Mm. Gideon's story challenges me to be vulnerable about my feelings of weakness and inadequacy. Instead of trying to muster up the strength to pretend like I am not afraid. I am learning that I need to boldly and honestly ask God for the things that I need help with. When I do, I see his answers and they build my faith. Gideon's vulnerability and willingness to express his need for God's reassurance helped him because it helped him become strong. He went from the weakest and the least to powerful because he vulnerably asked God for what he needed. Then the spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. He blew a ram's horn as a call to arms, and the men of the clan of Abizer came to him. Mm -hmm. Next one, Mary. God makes us adaptable to change. One characteristic of emotional strength is being adaptable to change, and one young woman who blows my mind in this arena 
is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And it says, read Luke uh, chapters one through two. And then we're going to continue. I have heard, a, uh, I have a hard time with small changes to my daily routine. And here we have Mary, who became the mother of Jesus, having a conversation with an angel in which her life turned completely upside down. And how did she respond? I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Wow. Mary was an everyday, average teenage girl. She came from weak circumstances. She was a woman restricted from many areas of public life in that day. She was from a common family and an oppressed people, not a member of the ruling class in Roman society. And she was young. Yet, Mary, this teenage girl from humble circumstances, found incredible emotional strength. How? She just had a simple faith. She believed the angel when he said he had found favor, she had found favor with God. She believed God was with her. She believed he was powerful. She must have trusted God and believed in his plan. And that made her adaptable to change. As her cousin Elizabeth said about her, you are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do what he said. Luke 1 and 40, 45. Excuse me, son. Can I, can I record? <laughs> Come here. Come here. Listen. I'm like, I'm more than half finished. Let me finish, huh? Let me finish, huh? Please. Thank you, baby. Oh, you're so sweet. He wants some attention. I've been going through it recently, so I'm not going to lie. I haven't been home super, super often. I've been trying to be surrounded by people, but I'm good now. You got to give me a second, baby. Okay. I'll keep the door cracked. <laughs> I'll keep the door cracked. All right. The next one is a woman who suffered bleeding. God is bigger than any hurdle. And we, we read about this. We went over this in a previous podcast. I love this story. I cannot imagine what life must have been like for this woman who had hurdles of every kind. I'm finna close the door again. I love you, son. I love you, boo-boo. Right? She, uh, who had hurdles of every kind standing between her and the healing she longed for. Physical hurdles. She must have known, uh, what it was, what it was like to lack energy and not feel well. She definitely did. She had suffered physically for 12 years. She knew about pain, doctor visits, and failed attempts as treatment. Spiritual hurdles, the religious laws of the day, oh my goodness, would have excluded her from participating in religious life. After so many disappointments and being excluded from practicing religion, imagine how difficult it would be to believe a teacher like Jesus would care about her situation. Social and... Ah, excuse me. 
Mm-hmm. All right, now that's all done, I'm sad. <laughs> Social and emotional hurdles. She would have been very familiar with feelings of rejection, loneliness, and unworthiness. She would have been excluded. Yeah. <laughs> He's so funny. She would have been excluded from public life and even marriage due to her health condition, financial hurdles. She had spent everything she had. She knew the stress of not having enough money. How did this woman who had so many reasons to feel weak find the emotional strength to push through all these hurdles, approach Jesus and share her story with the crowd in which she would not be welcome? Then, yeah, let me, I'm not going to read that because I just read that. It seems that her faith in Jesus made these other obstacles seem small. She dared to believe. She chose to focus on how powerful and caring she believed Jesus to be, a miracle man, instead of thinking about all the other obstacles in her life. The next one, Joseph. God helps us see the big picture in challenging situations. Mm -hmm. Read Genesis 37 through 50. Yeah. After being sold into slavery, being torn from his family and home, and suffering years, years of unfair imprisonment, somehow, some way, somehow, Joseph was able to see the big picture. In this well, excuse me, in this well-known story, God brings hope to a pretty terrible story of human sin, jealousy, bitterness, hatred, yeah, and hatred. While people intended harm, no, we're good. While people intended harm, mm -mm, mm -mm, God worked for the good. When Joseph's brothers who sold him into slavery finally begged for forgiveness many, many years later, because they didn't even know if he was alive or not, Joseph found the emotional and spiritual strength to reassure his brothers and treat them with kindness because he could see the big picture. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Genesis 50, 20 and 21. I'm pretty stunned, pretty stunned at reading how Joseph was able to not only forgive, but kindly reassure his brothers. It is hard for me to forgive and, be, and to be kind to people who hurt me unintentionally let alone someone who intentionally tried to harm me. This kind of emotional strength would only come from Joseph's relationship with God. Joseph saw God moving, and he knew God had allowed him to go to Egypt and direct a program that saved people's lives through a difficult famine. He saw God's purpose in everything that happened to him. This made his brother's actions much smaller. 
He could forgive them because he understood the big picture. Oh, man, looking at that big picture really helps you. Uh, really, uh, for a lack of <laughs> for a lack of better, uh, better words, really sobers you up a little bit to the situation. You know, it uh, makes you open your eyes some and think about more than just yourself. You know, because he said that, you know what? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. When you think about uh when you think about who else is affected other than yourself, you you, you make it a little bit less selfish and it's a lot more um bearable to say the least. No, it's a lot more bearable because you're like, you know, well, I'm not the only person that this situation matters to, you know? His brothers literally sold him into slavery because they were jealous, you know, that he was a favorite, not caring, and they were being selfish. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at that. They were being selfish. They were thinking about themselves, how they felt. They did not care. They did not care about how his father would feel. They thought, you know, we'll just tell him that he died and, you know, bring him a ripped up piece of clothing and that, you know, he'll be all right. And it broke their father's heart. And I'm sure it also broke uh, his wife's heart, too. You know, because at that point, that was her only child. And they 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 essentially thought they like killed, you know, they made them think that they killed her only child, you know, and that in turn, tra they traumatized their father. <laughs> It'd be due to their selfish feelings. They traumatized the person, the very person that God utilized to bring them into the physical, you know, that's crazy. So always think about the bigger picture. I like this one. This is good. Think about the bigger picture makes whatever situation you're dealing with a much more bearable and understandable, you know, the next one, Hannah. God pulls us out of the pit of negative emotions. Thank you, Lord. Read 1 Samuel 1 and 2. Excuse me. Do you ever get stuck in a pit of negative emotions? I do. Yes, I do sometimes. The story of Hannah in 1 Samuel is an incredible example of how God can help us handle and recover from the strong emotions that come with painful experiences in our life. Our emotions may be too big for us to handle sometimes, but they are never, never too big for God. Hannah experienced disappointment, rejection, and the disapproval of others. A trifecta of <laughs> a trifecta of some of my most dreaded emotional experiences. Yo, whoever wrote this, shout out to you. I felt that. <laughs> Yet her choice to come close to God gave her emotional strength, even in moments of deep anguish and bitterness. She walked away from spending time with God happy even though her circumstances hadn't changed. She walked away from spending time with God happy, even though her circumstances hadn't changed. We read about this when uh, her husband, Elkanah, would travel to Shiloh to worship. And, uh, you know, he had his, uh, 
He had both of his wives. One of them had her children and she didn't have bro. Are you okay? Okay, you're just yawning. Give me a second. Let me open up the window for her. No, no. Stay. No, no, no. No, no, no. Oh, Jesus. There you go, babe. Stay. 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 I love you, okay? Stay. Stay. I love you. There you go. Uh, he liked to look through the blinds, and the blinds was closed. But yeah, so, uh, what is it? F Penina, Penina would always tease. That's so, ah, uh, that's so awful. Penina would tease Hannah to tears. She would taunt her to tears and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. And, uh, you know, Elkanah would, would try and comfort her and be like, why aren't you eating? Why, why be downhearted just because you have no children? Bro, I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes, like, I, that's so insensitive to say to your wife who's sad about not having children. Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having 10 sons? <sighs> it's because she loved you that she wanted to give you kids. That's okay. Oh, my goodness. Brooklyn. <laughs> that's okay lord don't allow my brain to start going haywire help me zone back in help me zone back in why be downhearted just because you have no children you have me isn't that better than having 10 sons it's better than having not him and none of them i guess but that's <laughs> that's not how you cover people but let me continue hannah had no children and she had to share her husband with another woman who regularly taunted her about it. My goodness, Hannah, she was going through so much. She must have been familiar with rejection and feelings of failure. Her emotions <clears throat> were so strong, they affected her relationship with food and even her husband's attempts at loving reassurance. <laughs> attempts at loving reassurance weren't enough to take away the pain she felt. Mm. Have you ever felt pain so deep? No human reassurance could take it away. Have you ever felt pain so deep that no human reassurance could take it away? That's what Hannah felt. So how did she find emotional strength? Well, it seems that eventually she decided her only way out was to take all her feelings to God, which she did. She went and prayed, and the priest thought she was drunk because he saw her, her lips moving but didn't hear any sound. And, uh, and she was like, no, I'm, I'm not, you know, drinking any wine or anything like that, but I'm discouraged. It was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. And Eli said, in that case, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Right? And she went and eat again. She went back to eat and she was no longer sad. 
Hannah was familiar with overpowering feelings of sorrow, anguish, and bitterness. But as we read in this chapter, as we read in this chapter, after she prayed and heard uh, Eli the priest's reassuring words, Hannah went away no longer sad. No longer sad. And Hannah did eventually have the child she longed for, but God made her happy even before these circumstances changed. Hannah's story teaches me that although my negative feelings can be strong, God is stronger. He cares deeply about my emotions. He listens when I pour out my heart and he does not get tired of me or feel like my problems are too small. <clears throat> I'm gonna read this one. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. Psalm 41 and 2. Hmm. Or 41 through 2. Let me say that. I also learned from Hannah that deciding to be faithful and pray can bring a lot of good. Hannah's faithful decision to pray and come closer to God led her to getting pregnant with Samuel and dedicating him to God. Then he became a prophet of God who led the people of Israel at a key time in their history. Knowing these things about God brings me joy, the kind of joy that is not dependent on circumstances. Mm. Mm. <clears throat> Knowing that these things about God brings me joy, the kind of joy that is not dependent on circumstances. It is the joy of knowing that I don't have to walk through anything in life alone. Even if I find myself in a deep pit, he will pull me out. He will reach down and pull me out. Like the Bible says in Psalm 40. I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. Mm -hmm. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed. They will put their trust in the Lord. Mm -hmm. Next one, Moses gives us the courage to handle criticism. Mm -hmm. All right, I'll read that. When the people complained and turned against Moses, what are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. Boom. Simple solutions. It's funny because when I searched this up, I searched uh, Bible stories about people overreacting and God having simple <laughs> solutions. But then this one didn't pop up for that. So I took out the last half and searched um, stories in the Bible about people overreacting. And this was the third one. 
And I'm just so glad that the Lord showed this to me because this is exactly, exactly what I needed after the week I've had, man. I ain't gonna cap. I ain't gonna cap. This week thought it had me. <laughs> and it might have had me for the last three days. <laughs> but I'm feeling a lot better. And just sticking close with God and being around my church family has helped me a great deal. They're so very, so very supportive. And God just always provides. You know, he don't want me to stay in the same place. He wants me to keep moving. So keep moving, I shall, Lord. Keep moving, I shall. Get back to my first works, I shall. All right. Moses is someone in the Bible who faced a lot of criticism. And mostly from the very people he was trying to lead and save. Right? Being criticized is one of my biggest fears. From a young age, I have thought that if I could be perfect and make everyone happy, <clears throat> excuse me, I would be secure. But of course, that is not true. People are people, and trying to make everyone happy all the time is a losing battle. That it is indeed. If I'm being honest, I really don't get that much criticism. It's mostly just something I'm afraid of. But when it does come, it's hard for me. I get angry, self-piteous, and hurt. Moses did too sometimes, but a lot of times he went and prayed. And God heard him, defended him, and provided what he needed. He heard him, defended him, and provided what he needed. If you're trying to stand up for something or trying to lead, you will likely face criticism. People won't always agree with you and your decisions will, they, they'll, they'll be on display, right? Moses could have avoided criticism by saying no to God's plan, living his life alone, and not leading the people of Israel to the promised land. Instead, he chose a courageous path, trusting that God was working through him and walking with him every step of the way. As a result, he played a tremendous role in God's story and helped free the Israelites from their slavery in Egypt. We can learn from Moses that God will help us find courage even in the face of criticism so we can keep moving forward along the path of God's destiny for us. We will find the courage, lol, I'm not going to read that one. Oh, fine. We'll find the courage Theodore Roosevelt described in his famous speech about the man in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually, who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms? 
the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Mm. You're kind of spitting. All right. Peter. And I think Peter is the last one. This I believe this is number nine. Thank y'all for hanging in there. I know this one was kind of long, but that's okay. If I only do this once a week, I, I have a right to make these a little bit longer. It's all right. Open your ears. Open your minds and your hearts. Peter. God teaches us to learn from our own mistakes. Peter was one of Jesus' chosen apostles and one of his closest friends, but he abandoned Jesus in one of the most difficult moments of Jesus' life. Remember, remember, because Jesus was like, what? Or no. Jesus told them that, you know, stuff was happening. And then Peter was like, what? Lord, I will die for you. I would die for you. I by your side I'll I will lay down my life for you, Lord. And Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Before the cock crows, you will deny me thrice. And what did Peter do? He denied him thrice. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. This one is uh this one is Luke twenty two, fifty four to sixty two. Mm-hmm. Peter had he had been in Jesus's most intimate circle for years he had sworn that he would give up his life for jesus if need be but when jesus was arrested at perhaps his most vulnerable moment peter fell short he distanced himself choosing self-protection and fear instead of loyalty and faithfulness and he probably would have he probably would have lost his life if he was like yeah i'm with him but god also already had a plan for him and probably would have stopped that you know but peter said i would lay down my life for you my my lord i love you and then denied him thrice but we can learn a lot from this story including how important it is to feel and express genuine sorrow for the ways our sins hurt god but we can also learn something very important about god Failure is not fatal to him. After Jesus went to the cross and God raised him from the dead, he came back and talked to Peter. Mm, Ah, my eye, I got an eyelash. Lord, that's okay, I need to close my eye. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the Lord who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really reasoned. He appeared to Peter. Mm-hmm. Luke 24, 33 and 34. God is incredibly faithful, even when we are not. He doesn't give up on us. Mm. He does not give up on us. Seeing this must have helped Peter get back up again from his spiritual failure. Perhaps God's forgiveness motivated him to continue serving God in big ways, telling others freely about his failure 
and Jesus's forgiveness in his worst moment. God will even work through our sins and failures for a good purpose. He will use these examples of his great patience for other people who need to be freed up from their own worst moments. Woo! And that is the end of, oh wait, the article, but I'm still gonna, I'm gonna read this uh, conclusion because I straight scroll past this. <laughs> These stories and many, many more in the Bible show us that when we walk with God, he gives us emotional strength. Absolutely, a hundred thousand percent true. I am literally a living witness to this. He helps us handle setbacks and disappointment without becoming easily discouraged. Yum. He strengthens us as we as uh, we vulnerably express our needs. He helps us adapt to change. He teaches us through our mistakes and helps us handle criticism. In closing, stop to think about what uh, what areas in your life in which you need the emotional strength to bounce back or get back up again. Talk to God about those areas today and ask for the specific help you need. I believe that you will see God's, uh, you'll see God answer and give you the strength you are looking for. Amy Query. Thank you, Amy. And she, um, she did a pretty good job with this article. I like this. And I surely needed it, Lord. And I just thank you for renewing my strength, Father. Renewing my strength. I, I literally feel like a whole nother person than I did a couple of days ago. But... You know, my God is a God of restoration. He is, he's a God of, of, of comfort. He's a God of peace. He is love. He's not the God of love. He is love. He's my provider and he cares for me. And those are the things that I think of whenever I start to get down a little bit, you know? So I'll just say, I'm not going to read. I'm not going to keep up with the Whispers of Wisdom book. I'm going to just keep it a buck with you guys. <laughs> I guess that'll be something that's a little bit more personal for myself. But we're going to continue to keep going along with different articles and just other things that the Lord wants me to, to read and talk about with you guys and, you know, express myself because sometimes we all we all be going through the same thing simultaneously in different fonts and we'll never know unless we just you know come and talk about it with each other so that's what this is for thank you guys for your support and i might see you sometime during the week you know i'm trying to be more consistent and just get myself back together and uh be more what i said can in, intentional that's the word i'm actually looking for intentional so i appreciate y'all I love y'all, and I hope that you have a wonderful night and have a beautiful day tomorrow morning.